0: So, we are continuing the series, our summer series of studying in the Gospel of Matthew. And so, we are on uh, blessed week seven. We're focusing this series on the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, this is a sermon that Jesus taught to not just his disciples, but to a larger crowd. Uh, relatively early on in his ministry, um, but yet he had already gained a lot of popularity. And and yet we see one of the reasons why Jesus was so popular um, is kind of given to us at the conclusion of the sermon. The Sermon on the Mount is three of three full chapters in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And at the very end of 7, we see the conclusion of the sermon, and then we see this summary uh, by Matthew in his gospel, in 7 verses 28-29. says when Jesus had finished saying these things. The crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. And we see again that, that Jesus brought something that the people weren't necessarily expecting, but yet they were drawn to. And yet the, the same is true of Jesus today, even in our culture now, is that, that Jesus' teaching oftentimes isn't what we expect, but it is always what we need. And, and the reality is God knows us better than we know ourselves, and, and that God can see things that we can't see, that, and he knows what we truly need, and, and when we come To the foot of the cross when we submit ourselves to to being a follower of Jesus and and to growing in our faith every day we start to, to have our eyes open to what it is that we really need in our lives and oftentimes it's not what we expect right it's not what the world is telling us that we need but yet it's something that that God knows we need in our life and and it starts with needing him Again, the, the, as you look at the Sermon on the Mount, is, 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 it doesn't give us the gospel message. It doesn't give us the way of salvation, but, um, but yet Jesus does answer the question of what our, your inner life will look like once you are saved. Again, we, we have to receive Jesus as our Savior. As he died on the cross and rose again on the third day, and and all that we celebrated in communion today, and and again, that is the gospel, right? That is the way of salvation, that we must pray and accept Jesus as our Savior. But once we pray and invite him into our life and and receive that forgiveness, then we start a new journey of faith. A, 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 A journey that we walk in every day as we grow closer and closer to him every day that we're alive on this earth. And, and, and as, as you know, again, that's our vision, right, of joining the journey, that we are going to be growing in our knowledge of God, of, of who we are, and how we will move, be more like Christ tomorrow than we are today, with every day we have here on earth. And then once, once we die here on earth and, and stand at the face of Jesus, right, and, and then that ends our earthly faith journey and starts our heavenly journey, right, but yet every time we're here, we're going to continue to grow, and Jesus teaches us lots of things that will help us grow, in the Sermon on the Mount, and these character traits that he describes of uh, of ways for our faith to continue to move forward, and and, and he literally touches on every area of life. In our base text for uh, this series is this famous passage in Matthew chapter 5 known as the Beatitudes. It is uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 12, so if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me to Matthew chapter 5. Um, And we are going to read this passage known as the Beatitudes, starting at verse 3. It says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. So as we read this very famous passage, you can see that we've been uh, Jesus literally lists out these attributes, and, and if we live them out, what, what the blessing will be, right, if you, if you live those out in your life. And, and then Jesus spends the rest of the sermon expanding on these thoughts and, and teaching us, and again, we've looked each week at, at each of these. And now we, uh, today, are kind of turning a corner in the sermon, and even in the Beatitudes. We've, we've looked at the first six, and, and now today we are week seven, we are next week we will conclude the series, but these last two Beatitudes are a bit different than the six that we've already looked at. The first six were about our attitude and our inner feelings. The first six are very private matters. And yet these last two are not private matters. These last two, truthfully, are very public issues. They are ones that that are very observable by not just our brothers and sisters in Christ within our faith, but also, probably even more importantly, they are very observable by the rest of the world. And so today we are looking at this uh, second to last one, that God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. Now the, the NLT translation again is is a little is a more modern, updated translation. The more traditional version of this beatitude is "Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God." And when we look at this idea, right, this concept—not just of this one, but also the one we'll look at next week—these very public matters, these very observable ones, um, these are really about how you will react when you are publicly mistreated. Again, as we think about this and, and realize right, that, that that's, again, the conclusion, these last few verses that we read today are all about what, how you react when you are publicly mistreated, and, and these last two Beatitudes are supposed to get your heart ready for that. So as we look at, at this one, we start with, again, this concept of a peacemaker, now, as we read this one, this one, I believe, is kind of commonly confused with the concept that Jesus teaches of turning the other cheek. I, and many times, I believe that phrase that Jesus uses, in fact, he uses it later in the Sermon on the Mount, um, in my mind, uh, that this is, was the one that spoke to that. And, and yet, um, you know, again, and we can loosely think about that idea, that concept of turning the other cheek, meaning that, that you don't fight back and you just let people beat you up more. Now, I don't know about you, but if I think of that concept and I think, well, then I don't want to do that. (laughs) Right, that does not sound like something I want to do. Right, but I believe that Jesus was was teaching us something very different. In fact, as as I've studied this one and, and, and dove deeper into not just this beatitude, but this the entire Sermon on the Mount. Um, the reality is that Jesus was not addressing violence at all. Just like these other ones, he is addressing more of a character trait. Right? It's something that we're going to live out within our faith. And, and so as, we, as I dove into the, the, again, the research of this beatitude, is, as we've already done in these ones, we looked at, at specifically the words that Jesus uses right? in the original language. And, and this one is very interesting. In fact, the word that Jesus uses here, the Greek word that he uses for, that is translated as peacemaker, or within the NLT um, translation, translated as working for peace, okay, this word that Jesus uses, this is the only place in the entire New Testament that this word is used. It's very unique. In fact, as we look at that, this word that Jesus uses here um, is actually the combination of three different Greek words. When I looked up the definition of this word in in my concordance, right, it says you have to see these three words to get the definition, and and Jesus combined three different Greek words into this term that he used in this beatitude. Now, as we look at these three different words, we look at them as individual definitions, and then we combine them all together to get what Jesus meant. Okay, so word number one, the definition of the first word is to speak or say or to command. To speak or to say or to command. So again, it's not just talking, right? But it's talking with confidence. Right? It's saying what you see, saying what you believe. Okay? It is your words speaking. The second word that Jesus combines into this this made up word that Jesus uses, this compound word, word number two is to show. Or to make known one's thoughts. Okay, to show your thoughts. So the first one is about what you say. Then the second word that is combined into this, right, is to show it. To, it's, it's about actions. Right, am I going to do what I say? And then the third word that is combined into this word that Jesus makes up okay, is word number three is a peace that brings forth prosperity. A peace that brings forth prosperity. And so if we combine these three together, we get to what Jesus meant. Blessed are the peacemakers. That we say, we do, and when we put those together, it it brings a peace that brings prosperity. Doesn't have a whole lot to do with violence, does it? Right? Jesus meant something very different. He was not talking about being beat up. He was, talking, was not talking about being taken advantage of. The connotations of Jesus' made up word are actually pretty forceful. But he is saying, don't do this through violence or bullying. Jesus is saying there's a better way than fighting to accomplish these things. To speak to show, to bring forth prosperity. Remember these three things. Right? As we dive deeper into what Jesus teaches here in the Sermon on the Mount and, and yet through, and through the rest of the New Testament, keep this in mind, to speak, to show, to bring forth prosperity. So as we think about this beatitude, this to be a peacemaker, right? we, we're faced with this question, and truthfully it's a question that we all face every day. In right? the different choices we make and the interactions with people, um, especially whether it's in traffic or in the checkout line, right? we have to ask this question, do I fight or do I not? Right? And when we ask this question, right, there's a few, again, guidelines I believe that Jesus teaches us on how to truly live out this concept he's teaching us here. First, we need to first realize that fighting back is a selfish act. That fighting back is a selfish act. Okay, finish this phrase for me. This is a pretty common phrase. Can you finish it for me? You need to learn to defend yourself. You need to learn to defend yourself. Right? What do we mean when we use that common phrase? We mean you need to fight back. Right? And, and if you choose to fight back, right? what are you defending? Yourself. Right? And so, again, fighting is, fighting back, right, can be a very selfish act. And you see this, this is a concept, again, that James also teaches to, uh, in his letter. And I encourage you, again, to, to flip to, and we're going to come back to Matthew, so you can leave your finger in it if you're looking it up in your Bible, but we're going to flip to James chapter 3. And look at this passage here in verses 13 through 18. James chapter 3, starting at verse 13. He says, For if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. I wonder what he really means. (laughs) Continuing on, verse 17. says, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving gentle at all times and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds, and it shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. As you look at this passage in James, right, it's comparing two different kinds of wisdom, isn't it? Right? It's, it's earthly wisdom and godly wisdom. And we see that these two wisdoms, again, that are being compared here by James, are, give us drastically different results. Right? And we see, again, that the earthly wisdom is centered in selfishness. Right? And yet, godly wisdom, when we see the, read the description of that, is that this, the, those two verses, 17 and 18, really remind me of two things. One, it reminds me of the Beatitudes. Right? And it also reminds me of 1 Corinthians 13, right, of the love chapter. Because it's some of the very same attributes. And, and when we look at this, right, we, we realize right, that, that, that worldly wisdom says you need to defend yourself. Right? And yet James tells us that that's not necessarily what God wants you to do. Right? Because fighting back is a selfish act. And yet the, the, the other side to that coin, right, is, is also the reality that not fighting back is a selfless act. I Again, mean, Do I take matters into my own hands? Do I fight back? Not fighting back, if you've ever been in that situation, is a very humbling experience. Right, when someone makes fun of you, your natural human reaction is to retaliate. And yet, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, even in that moment, I must remember that life's not about me. It's not about me anymore. right? The following Jesus means that I live life on a different standard, and life's not about me. Is that a humbling situation? Absolutely. Right? But Scripture says a lot about what God thinks about humble people. Also, when you realize, though, we think, yes, but, but if I don't fight back, like, how are they ever going to learn? Right? And, and, and again, we, we have this ongoing battle within our own flesh, right? And, and yet, we, the next thing that we need to remember, though, even as this raises up in us, is we need to remember that fighting back is God's job, not mine. Right? That fighting back is God's job. In fact, I don't have to fight back or to take justice into my own hands because I can trust that God will do it. As we we look at this concept, again, Paul speaks to this very specifically in Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 21, where he says, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. And dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Again, as a follower of Jesus, we, we are told that we are going to do things differently. <laughs> right, that we're going to trust God. And again, as you see, that there's quotation marks in the middle of this because Paul is quoting Old Testament scriptures. Right, this idea that God is the judge, that God will fight back, is not a new concept to Jesus or to the New Testament. And again, just as he says, though, is that you don't pay back evil with more evil, All right? That will take you down a path that you don't want to go on. And yet, he says justice will be served, as he says, if, again, if you don't fight back, but yet you treat them the way that God treats you, right? And, and again, with grace and mercy, which, you know, if you missed that message, I encourage you to go back and watch it. But, but when you think about that, right, is it says then, and, and this, this is a very interesting phrase, He says, then you will keep burning coals of shame on their heads. That doesn't seem like a very logical conclusion to not fighting back, does it? Right? but again, it's just that, so how will they ever learn? Well, let, let God teach them. Right? Because in the reality, that's what, that's what they're expecting, right, is for you to fight back, right, when they make fun of you or persecute you or whatever it is, right? And so, again, not fighting back, right? It helps me remember that fighting back is God's job, not mine. And ultimately, not fighting back shows the strength of my faith. That I serve a God that is sovereign. That I serve a God that is just. And that it's not my job. I will let God do his Not fighting back doesn't mean that justice won't happen. It means that I don't have to take justice into my own hands. God promised he will do it, and I have the faith that God will do his part. That God will do what he said he will do. So as we think about this, like I said, this again, this is one that is very public, very outward, very observable, right? And yet we sit back and there's this ongoing struggle within our own flesh, right, about why does it have to be this way? Why, why would Jesus call me to this? Why, why would he teach us this as, as followers of him? Because the, the truth is that fighting is fun and entertaining. In fact, the, the fighting industry, right, professional fighting is a billion dollar industry. Boxing and UFC and all of the like. Right? In fact, look at how much fighting there is in hit movies. Right? Would, would the Star Wars movies even be good without fights? <laughs> I mean, every good story has some sort of conflict in it, doesn't it? In fact, our world is full of conflict. Right? I mean, there, there's, our world is full of these classic epic battles like Apple versus Android. Right, like dogs versus cats and the most classic of them all, the sibling rivalry. Right, we all know this. Again, the the reality though is it's all over our world and yet the, that that means that we get very used to the fighting. Right? That the fighting becomes a comfort zone for us. Especially in relationships. Right? The tension the drama the the making waves it's it's exhilarating i mean it it brings chemicals into your mind and body that aren't there if you're not in conflict it it, it again the 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 drama and attention in relationships gets addicting in fact you can watch this happen right probably not in your family but in everybody else's family right when when things are too smooth too peaceful, somebody has to say something to blow it up. Right? If things are going too smoothly, right, we stir the pot. And, and yet we, we think about this, right, and, and we, we don't even realize how, how addicting it can be. In fact, if you look at, at recovery, right, whether it's alcoholism or drug addiction or porn addiction, or any kind of addictive behavior if you watch people in recovery they they it, it's a very natural process as a part of their recovery is that they will self sabotage themselves they 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 will as they start to find healing right then again we we have a we even have a term for it it's called relapse Right? Because when things go, start to go too smoothly right? or they, they start to break free from that bondage of that addiction, it is very normal right, for them to relapse. Because we get addicted to the drama, to the tension, right? and we self-sabotage. And yet when we think about, again, why does it have to be this way? Well, because God says there's a better way. And when we look at this, truthfully, at this concept, you need to truthfully start, like I said, a very public thing, right? The way you react, if you're a peacemaker, everybody sees it. And in fact, the core of this beatitude is evangelistic. Will we do life differently as a follower of Jesus than the rest of the world? The core of it is evangelistic. In fact, if you look back at that James passage that we looked at, right, will we handle things with God's wisdom, not worldly wisdom? And if we do, people will wonder how you can be that different. In fact, when we look at um, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, later on in the chapter, verses 43 through 45, Jesus addresses this in the sermon. He says, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, and in that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven, for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. Now, these are some very powerful verses, okay, because we again, we have this, this, which is a different sermon, but this, this very common question about Jesus, about why do good things or bad things happen to good people, and why do good things happen to bad people, well, Jesus told us why, right? Because he pours out his Son and his rain on everybody, but, but as we look at this and we realize, though, that it is, again, the core of this is evangelistic. Jesus says, if you truly follow me, if you truly live out your faith, that your life will be different. I mean, he says that the same things that will happen to you that happen to unbelievers, right? The sunlight and the rain. But yet, if you are true children of God, right, then you will handle things the way that God's family handles things. The family way of doing stuff, right? Every family has a way of doing stuff, don't they? In fact, this has been a common thing we've told our boys as they've grown up, right, is that our family does things different than that family. Right? And that's, that's the way it is. Right, so we'll how everybody else gets to do it is not a valid excuse. Our family does things differently. Right, because every family has their way. And, and Jesus is saying that God's family has his way. Right, and that your actions will identify you. Right, and, and your actions will show the world which family you're a part of. Because the reality is you are never more like God than when you love someone who doesn't deserve to be loved. Say that one more time. You are never more like God than when you love someone who doesn't deserve to be loved. Again, reference grace and mercy. In fact, there's even a song. Right? It says they will, they will know we are Christians by our love. And again, and the song is not a new concept. You just said the song, right? In fact, it's one that that Jesus specifically taught us to live out in John 13, verses 34 and 35. He says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment, right? That our family's going to do things differently, right? This is a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And to you, this new commandment should be extremely convicting to anybody who's ever been a part of a church that has fought with each other. Right, because the world is watching. Right? And the core of this beatitude is evangelistic. And yet, as we look at this, we also need to know right, that just keeping peace is not the goal. Jesus is not calling us to be peacekeepers. He's telling us to be peacemakers. And those two things are very different. Peacekeepers are very different than peacemakers. As, as we think about this idea and this concept, right, knowing that keeping peace and making peace are two very different things. Keeping peace is about not rocking a boat, not rustling any feathers, not making waves, and all the other cheesy cliche lines that we all know. But, had it, but none of them have anything to do with actually fixing the real issues. Jesus tells us to be peacemakers. And that sometimes can require some waves, even some sacrifices on our part, right? Because sometimes you have to take a step backwards to take three forward. Maybe you have to, again, the the difference, right, between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker is that a peacekeeper will avoid a hard conversation at all costs, and a peacemaker will schedule the appointment and call it out. Romans fourteen nineteen through 21, and I, I, I used the, the NCV version of this because I just liked the way the wording better than NLT. It says, so let us try to do what makes peace and helps one another. Do not let the eating of food destroy the work of God. All foods are all right to eat, but it is wrong to eat food that causes someone else to sin. It's better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that will cause your brother or sister to sin. Again, He's describing here take a sacrifice in your life to help somebody else's faith. Right? To even take a step backwards in your life if you have to to help their faith move forward. Right? Have the hard conversation. Right? And throw yourself under the bus, not them. Again, I encourage you to underline the phrase that says helps one another. Right? Paul understands that making peace in someone's life might take a sacrifice in my own life which is fine if it actually helps them make peace and find peace and bring prosperity in their life, right? Remember the three words that Jesus combined? To speak, to show, and to bring prosperity. Jesus stated in his made-up word, right, that I say it, that I show it, and it will bring forth prosperity. If we truly do this, then the rest of this verse is true, Right, the Beatitude says, then you will be called children of God. Right, and our lives will reflect our Father in Heaven. And they will see the family likeness. Again, why does it have to be this way? The more that I can, can be like God, right, the more that it reminds me every day that life is not about me. Right, as a follower of Jesus, life's not about me anymore. You have chances every day to be a peacemaker every day you are faced with situations and you you can choose to either fight or to let it go and there are some fights that are worth fighting okay in fact i believe that's exactly what jesus is telling us right but the question is is this a fight that god's calling you to fight Right? And again, what do I need to do with what I see? What do I need to do with what I know? Right? Do I step up and say something or do I let God do it or let someone else do it? What is my role? Because ultimately, I need to help God or help others to know God better. And so I need God's wisdom in knowing which fights I'm supposed to step into and which ones I'm supposed to let go. Making true long-term peace is the goal. Right? Short-term peace means we end up in the same situation or the same fight over and over and over again. Right? That's what peacekeeping is. Peacemaking means that we have the hard conversation. We fight the fight that God needs us to fight, or we don't fight if God tells us not to. Right? But we don't keep going back to the same thing over and over and over again. Right? We are going to make peace. This is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. Proverbs 26, 11. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. How many times have you observed somebody that just keeps making the same mistake over and over and over again? How many times have you made the same mistake over and over again? And all it does is bring tension and drama. It might be time to make peace. Don't go back to the same things. Do the work that it takes to be a peacemaker. Not just in your own life, but in the lives around you and in our world. Oftentimes, just keeping peace means that nothing is ever actually resolved. We don't have anyone's interest in mind other than my own that I'm afraid of the hard conversation. Most fights we engage in are about ourselves, not about God. As a Christian, life is not about me anymore. It's supposed to be about God. And if God has set us free from a situation, then don't go back to it. Some situations, the best thing is mercy. And in others, mercy will only make it worse. All right, and that's what this beatitude is about, is about knowing the difference. Remember that meek is not being walked over or taken advantage of, but helping God win. So being merciful is about also helping God win. And the hardest thing sometimes is to know which one we're supposed to do, which is why we have to end up at the foot of the cross and seek the Lord's wisdom in saying, Lord, what do you need me to do in this situation? And yet... To be able to truly live that out once again, and to say you cannot ever be in that place if you have not first joined the journey of faith, of praying and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Right? As we look at not just this one, I mean, this one's hard, but all of these beatitudes are hard, right? To do, and you can never do them on your own power. In fact, that's exactly what Jesus was teaching. Don't try to do this on your own; you will fail. Right? But do it as a follower of Jesus, as a fully surrendered. Follower, that I've received Christ as my Savior, right? That my salvation is, is taken care of. And now I start the real work of transformation, right? of living life God's way, not my own. Which leads me to the final thought today, and that is this To be a peacemaker means that I understand life's not about me, but about making this world a better place. And by God's help, I will pick the right battles to fight. Being a peacemaker doesn't mean that you just get walked over. In fact, following Jesus means you can be stronger than ever before because you are strong with his power, not your own. And as our worship team concludes today, I just encourage you to respond to the truth of God's word. If God has shown you something new, something that you need to do in your life, something that you've been set free of that maybe you've gone back to, that maybe you're self-sabotaging your own peace. I, I encourage you to talk to God about it, to give it up for once and for all today. If you've never received Jesus as your Savior, then I hope that you will do that today and start this journey of transformation, of doing life God's way and not not my way or the world's way anymore. Lord God, we praise you that we are made stronger because of you. And God, I, we pray that as we go this week, God, that we would truly move forward in our faith, that we would live out our faith every day. And God, that this world would see our lives and Lord, know that there's something different. And God, what is different is you. And God, I pray, Lord, help us to be peacemakers. Lord, peacemakers in our own lives and hearts, in our families, in our communities. Lord, that your, your people would, Lord, truly represent you well. And be, be peacemakers in our world. Lord, we love you. We are excited to be a part of your family. God, help us to do life your family way. We love you. Guide us as we go this week as we truly live our faith every day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.